My sister claims dry cleaning is a lie that holds society together. It's like we all have to pretend that the lie is real, but they don't really make your clothes any cleaner. You know? Wait, why just, are we pretending the lie is real? Like, how, how is that like a glue for society? Um, because you're like, oh, everything's cool. I got my clothing dry clean. It's clean. Cleanliness is a thing that exists. It gives us the confidence to like face the world. Yeah. You're like, and it um, keeps an industry going, like a oh, cottage yeah. industry of usually newcomers to the States yeah, who are starting pop, their first like, small businesses. Yeah. And it's just like something that we tell ourselves when really we're just making it smell better. Or like, okay, you can wash clothes with very little detergent and it still gets them clean, you could put no detergent at all, almost. Not in my like, house. But it almost works. Like the amount of soap detergent being used is too much. Like I use a very small amount. And I'm like, oh, they're clean still. So maybe what if everything is a lie? Like big soap is just lying to all yeah. of us. These yeah. are dangerous ideas you can't hear on other podcasts. What if clean is a lie? And what if dirty is a lie? Yeah. And the other one is this. Okay. Maybe I said this to you already, but like peanut butter. <laughs> so the most crunchy form of peanut butter there is is just peanut. So you should be able to buy a jar of peanut butter that's like maximum yeah. crunchy, and it's just peanuts. It's in just a oily jar. peanuts. Yeah. Once you chew it a couple of times, that's what it becomes. So it's like a more portable, less messy form of peanut butter. Deconstructed just peanut butter. Peanuts. Yeah. I think that exists. It's gotta exist. Yeah, I mean, you've been you in the suburbs too long. I'm sure they have jars of. I mean, you could also just buy. Peanut. I just think he wants it to be called peanut butter, though. I want you to be oh. able to buy. Like, well, then it's not. It's not better if it's not. They call it, it, it peanut it butter. It's like once it's you one it. more step in the like process. To yeah, be better. so it's so, so it's, it's like, missing. Okay, that. I understand you can buy peanuts. I'm saying my idea is you go to the store and you're like, "What peanut butter should I? I want the most crunchiest thing there is." So it's like a branding of peanuts that puts it in the peanut butter category. I'll turn my phone off so it doesn't make any sound. Don't worry, Jake. <laughs> and um, it, it's basically like a way that, to think of a rethinking of peanut butter and where it sits. Just one way to connect the dots here is that the only thing that I take to the dry cleaners now is the slip covers of my couch. Uh-huh. That's the only thing that works. Like everything else doesn't work at the dry cleaners. And they get the peanut butter stains that my kids make on the slip covers of the couch Do out at the dry cleaners. I'm not uh-huh. sure what they're what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing over the they may not be dry cleaning it, but it comes back and the, all the peanut butter is gone. So So uh-huh. either dry cleaning is real or peanut butter is fake. Yeah, one of those two things yeah. is real. Now that we wrapped it up, we can start the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Every Damn Thing. It's a podcast where we rank everything. I'm Phil. And I'm Jake, and we're here to guide you through the list of everything. Each episode, we take items and tell you where they rank on the list of everything. The list can be viewed by going to everydamthing.net. You can find a link in the show notes. So we've known each other for a long time. Uh, Once, on our way to give a campaign speech in Milwaukee. If I recall correctly, we were vying for a third term as president. Something like that. Anyway, we encountered a wizard-like figure leaning on a large walking pole who whispered to us the rank list of everything. We copied the list onto a piece of paper, which we folded and put into our coat pocket. But then the whispering man... He spoke softly. ...with a large walking pole... A big stick. ...was shot in the head by a maniacal anarchist who then shot us in the chest. Fortunately, the bullet first passed through the list of everything in our coat pocket, and we survived, but the list was mostly destroyed. We can now only access the list little bits at a time through a scientific process called shooting the shit. That's how, with the help of friends and listeners, we reassemble the list of every damn thing. Which is now at 194 items with Dolly Parton at the top and Transphobia at the bottom. Cheech and Chong and Tulsa Time are in the middle of this. Now, when we say Tulsa Time, we're not talking about the, I think, Essential Time Zone, which is where Tulsa, Oklahoma is. We're talking about the Don Williams song, Tulsa Time, about a nostalgic feeling for uh, your hometown. Central Time Zone, which is the one time zone that one of us is not in in the United States. Oh. Um, 
This is truly... Uh, yeah. uh, Phil, you're in Pacific. I'm in Mountain. Phoebe, our guest, is in uh, Eastern. Um, anyways, if you want... Well, the great want... dream of our podcast has finally been achieved by going fully from one coast of the of the country to the other. Finally. We'll come back We've to... We've destroyed the continent like a colossus. Don't listen to Phil. If you want to look at the complete list, go to everydamthing.net. Uh, you can find a link in the show notes. Okay, now listen to Phil. What are you saying? Oh, I was going to say that now we bestride this great continent like a colossus. Or like uh, a... Bound on one side only by the Atlantic and the other side by the Pacific and our own great imaginations. Yes. Similar to this colossus connecting both oceans, Panama Canal does the same thing. And we'll be getting to that later, I think. Yes. Uh, we want to welcome Phoebe, our guest, first. Yeah. Phoebe, welcome. Hi. Do I just say thank you? you may Thank speak. you for yes. having me. <laughs> Yeah, Phoebe, a great friend of ours, a friend of the show, a colleague, and a trusted advisor. Yes. I like that. Triple threat. Triple threat. Uh, I guess we can get straight into this. We've got a yeah. we've got a big topic. We don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste. No, this is something that was submitted um, by Phoebe, but before that was submitted by Trevor W., as well as Donovan. I think this is one of the only items so far that's been submitted by three people. And it's Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, 26th president of the United States, known for lots and lots of things. Uh, Do you guys remember that we had done a Teddy Roosevelt like two parter on your very first pod blast back in the early two parter in the early aughts? Yeah, it was so it well, it was so epic. It was groundbreaking. What I remember is a lot of build up because um, I was and am what I now know to be termed a Ted head, uh, which is Mm. a big Teddy Roosevelt fan. And um, I heard Phyllis said the same about you, and we were gonna um, we're gonna Teddy off. Yeah, I have a teddy off, and then I feel like you really trounced me. You really wiped the floor with me. Just, just <laughs> was it a, me was down. it a contest? I thought it was more like a friendly, like a more like a teddy on. It was. It, it, well, no, it it started as a contest, and then uh, Phil got shook when I knew about Teddy Roosevelt's little sister's back brace. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. you wore the back brace all week, like to get ready for it, like training for this for this. So, so. You, you got you both of you know a lot more about Teddy Roosevelt. So in this case, I'm going to have to be deferring to the two of you when we decide where to put him on this list of everything and everybody. Now I feel like guy, I lost a lot of it though. That's I'm sorry yeah. to keep it. I must say well, yeah, that like I'm sure Jake did too. So, I've only read know. three full books on Teddy, um, oh, and four if you count the one that I read one about the building of the Panama Canal, and he's featured prominently in it. But I refreshed myself by listening to a podcast that I can recommend called History Verses, and they had uh-huh. they did a, a a season on Teddy Roosevelt. Recently, and I had already listened to that maybe last year, and I listened to it again this week. Okay, I, okay. I think both of you. I feel like both of you are valid, and are well. I'm going to consider you as both to be well informed. But of course, if we make any mistakes, we make feel, listener. Please feel free to tell us about it. So the guy is a towering figure. Uh, you literally like his face is etched in stone yeah. in a sacred ground up in uh, South Dakota. I always get yeah. it wrong. So. Yeah. And he's like responsible for a lot of things. You know, it's, he's why we have national parks. But he's also responsible for some things that maybe aren't so good. Uh, and I say maybe because I, I was being charitable, for example, having a giant war in the Philippines for years and years. And yeah. like, you know, leaves behind a very, a very complicated legacy. And I guess we have to appraise it now. We have a, a, we, we're going to do it the way it's meant to be done uh, informally uh, over, you know, 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> while, while we're um, while we're making as many factual errors as possible. Um, what like in the general sense, how do we rank a human being? Like, well, how do we say someone is good or bad? Do we, is it like absolute value? You know how you say like, there's good and there's bad, but there's, you, he made a big change in the world and that some of these changes are positive and yeah. some are negative. So maybe, if you weigh before, them all together. Before we actually talk about uh, the process of ranking him, maybe we should just 
uh, biography. Discuss some, you know, yeah, biography. Um, okay, he was born a fancy lad, right? Yeah, to um, uh, New York aristocrats, those moments from the South. And a Dutch family, that's by the name, right? They were like a glass manufacturing family. His his grandpa was, um, I forget his grandpa's first name, but he basically like uh, made glass for every building in New York City. Um, and, oh, wow. and he was a sickly boy? He was a sickly boy. Yeah, he had, <laughs> he was like really skinny. Um, he had really bad asthma. Um yeah. And so, yeah, his parents like kind of like didn't know what to do with him because at a certain point they sent him west, right, to to toughen him up. I think he sent him. No, the the toughening up was self-imposed after his mom and his daughter died on the same night. He sort of like pieced out of New York and went to the went to the Badlands. I I don't mean they died because the the daughter did have the same name as the wife, but it was his mom and his wife that died on the same day. You, You said daughter. Who was also and named so they, Alice. Oh, I'm they sorry. A, yeah, no, his his wife and his mom, yeah. yeah. And they died of, of fever, or what did they die of? The wife was complications from childbirth. Um, and the the mom, I don't you know. You set Phoebe up. You're, like you're doing a, you're doing a, a teddy off on her. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, I did. It's, it's great. <laughs> I listened to this podcast <laughs> to and, see and, my and blind did spots. take some notes. So, um, oh, okay. yeah, his, his mom, he, she died of something like fever, something okay. that like old people died of in the 19th century. So and in the Badlands... His wife he, died from giving childbirth to his first daughter, Alice. Uh, and, so he goes to the Badlands, and what does he do? He goes on a, a vision quest? Yeah, it's kind of like a vision quest. He like, he, like, he don't know, he always had uh, sort of Fantasies about being like a cowboy explorer yeah. soldier. You kind of got a to like r- live it. it was almost like yeah, it was like rugged individual cosplay in the Badlands. Right. He, Jake, I believe well, he had been to the Badlands previously to learn about the West or learn to be a man. Um, and I think he already had property out there. But when they died, he and I do want to get back to the asthmatic thing and the weekly child. But when he died, when they died, he bailed back out there and he bought a cabin that was even remote than the one that he had. And I think he pretty much kicked it there for for quite a bit of time by himself. Like he got, he, he went to his main cabin, and there was like still like it was too close, close to the river, and there was still like too many people coming around. And so he's like, "No, I'm gonna buy this cabin, way the fuck out, um, so I can be completely alone." And that was kind of his. But was he like doing his washing, washing his own clothes, and making his own food, or I what think did he have? That's another thing. Like he had like he sort of like hired people around him there, like locals, to like you know show him around and like carry stuff for him, and you know all that. Okay, my kids are back. Uh-oh. Oh, cool. So, so I get it. So, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of cosplay going on, a little bit of play acting of manhood and of like Western. He's he's enacting these things, and I won't even say reenacting because it's like he he's kind of writing the script for this sort of thing. He's not following a well worn path and doing that, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe in, that's a thing. In, in, in a lot of ways, you could see that as him like it was cosplay in a way, but also like he was presenting an image. And it's like it's almost like what we see to a degree or what we learned about in the stories that were told about him and the pictures we see were more like the Instagram story of him. You know, like what yeah, people yeah. would see of your Instagram. It's kind of like the idealized version. In fact, he cultivated his, you know, uh, Western or rugged thing so much, um, but in such a like a cosplayish way that there's a famous photo of him wearing this um, leather uh outfit like this is it like this the super ornate with the fringe and like the ivory and buckskin yeah. is what i meant to say and it's fringy it's something that like only like nobody in the west like he got clowned for wearing it in the west you know by the people of of the dakotas um but he made a big deal out of it and he and he was photographed he had a portrait of him made where he's wearing that and the woods are, there's like woods and mountains behind him but that's just a backdrop the photograph was taken in New York or whatever. So he goes back to New York, and is this when he gets involved in public life? Let's go, let's go back in time a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, he was a sickly <laughs> child, um, and his parents he had he had like really debilitating asthma. Uh, there's a point in which his dad told him um, when he was very young, he was like seven, and his dad's like, "Listen, 
you you have the mind but not the body and you you must make your body uh, and like from a really really young age he proceeded to to build himself up and to live what he called it i think there's was it the strenuous life there's a phrase that he strenuous life yeah. yeah and he did that and it that sort of like influenced the way like he acted um to the rest of the world i mean he always had that like these these lingering you know he, the asthma never went away he had heart problems later in life but he just fucking powered through them do you think that's a like a replicable model i think that's like it's kind of what we'd call like mind body connection today yeah, like yeah. he sort of you know like he like pushed himself physically because it made him mentally stronger it is very modern in that sense of like he kind of creates the him that he wants there to be yeah and then he creates a role for himself and he kind of plays that role or you know he creates this character of teddy roosevelt and when playing it like he becomes healthier and he becomes stronger in a, in a way and if he believes in himself it's like therapeutic too in, in many ways right and, and it helps to feed his sense of like individualism and individual accomplishment uh-huh. like forget the fact that like he grew up in you know essentially luxury you know and got to and, and was cared for you know and had doctors look at him and all this shit but um, it's yeah, still, and it wasn't like it's not yeah. to take away from what he did but like uh if somebody without the privilege that he had might not have been able to have that another notable thing about his child is that this might be maybe will come up later is that early he was very very interested in natural sciences like there's a story of him like when he's seven years old he sees a dead seal at the market and like I guess it's there for a while and he keeps on going back and is fascinated with it eventually talks to the person um, who owns the dead seal I suppose or you know whoever's in charge of it to give him the head of it or the skull of it which he takes home and that he uses that to start his uh, he called the Roosevelt Museum of Natural History a child that he had in his house uh, and proceeded to collect you know as much uh, natural specimens as he could um, later with the this built into him going to college. In college, he studied, I don't know if it was, not ornithology, he studied some sort of natural science and eventually led to, like, a lot of his collection is still at the Natural History Museum. Is that um, seal head still there, I wonder? Like, <laughs> I, that's I was wondering if it was the same seal that he just kept going back to. <laughs> like the, it was, that, yeah. the seal monger just couldn't get, couldn't unload that yeah, seal he's for like, hey, you got any new? you got any more stuff? <laughs> Um, Teddy's like, I'll, I'll make you a deal. But yeah. as with a lot of the people at that time, he got into like, he was reading uh, Darwin and whatnot, and he might have got a little bit too into like natural selection and the um, ideas around it. Um, oh, he, you mean like that. eugenics and whatnot? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. To give just a brief overview of his political career, quickly, he was a New York State Assemblyman um, in eighteen in the early 80s, 1880s, then a police commissioner in the mid-1880s, then the assistant secretary of the U.S. Navy in the late 90s i've seen political cartoons where he's drawn it depicted as a giant battleship with his pince-nez that sounds like right, glasses yeah. and and he's like and he's threatening because he he had something to do with the great white fleet or he when he Correct, was under secretary yeah. of the navy is that true he was one of the most prominent historians of naval warfare in the world when he was like fucking 20 like uh, he, I think his first book was about uh, the Naval War of 1812, and he wrote it literally like when he was like 20. He really it was, wrote it. It, was it wasn't like John F. Kennedy writing these where he, he had a ghostwriter and everything. No. Like he was I, he was writing these down. I, I believe so, yeah. Um, uh, so anyways, he was governor around 19, 1899. He was governor of New York for like two years, then vice president under McKinley. Then McKinley dies, and he's, gets, he's president for most of two terms. And then in 19 – so that's 1901 to 1909. And then in 1912, he uh, ran again for president and lost. But as a third party candidate, right? Yes, split, that's correct. Um, because like he didn't like the Republican candidate. No, also that was a, know, the Bull Moose Party, and like he, but he right. he had sort of a like made like he like installed Taft as like his successor, and then he didn't like what Taft was doing in his administration, so he was like 
fuck it, I'm going to run in this third third party ticket. Yeah. So I guess a there. couple other things about his biography I just want to be clear on. I, I know there's something where he was in favor of going to war in the First World War, and then his son died as an right, officer. Yeah. And son... he was, and and it broke his heart, and it changed. Maybe it changed the way he thought about certain ideas about war and peace. I'm not sure about that. His son was a pilot. He was actually a World War One pilot and was killed in action. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if it changed the way he thought about war and peace. Which just, son was it? Like... This wasn't Kermit, was it? I'm trying. He had that was Kermit Quentin. Was... That was Quentin, Quentin his youngest okay, yeah. son. And Kermit was the big troublemaker. Oh, Eleanor's dad. Correct. Okay, so and so Alice the... was also a big troublemaker. He was famous in the Amer- to the American public in part because he led a group of guys called the Rough Riders. That's true. Right. And they, they were involved in the Spanish-American War, and they went, they charged up San Juan Hill in Cuba. Now, I don't really know much about that, like, in terms of, I know it was, like, very media-managed, again, like we said with the other stuff, but was he one of the forces pushing for the war in the first place, as, like, a, a war being this purifying thing that would elevate the manhood of America, et cetera? Uh, like, he quit his job, I know, to be to join the Rough Riders, and he was not... He was not a kid at the time. He was like, I don't know if he had been governor yet, but it was well I think maybe that was during the period he was assemblyman, is my Uh guess. But yes, I I mean, go ahead, Phoebe. No, yeah, no, I think he like he he pushed for that, and then I think that that Rough Rider group was like a group that he had sort of like rounded up on his own, and um, and it was very media managed, and I think that's pretty much all they did from. My limited um, <laughs> recollection was, of it, they, it was, they charged up a hill. It was like yeah, a I lot feel of like his, there's a lot of debunking of them. That it was goes a lot on. of his homies from from the from the Dakotas. It's kind of like the movie Armageddon or something like that, uh, where you, they just get together like, like these Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, or Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Um. So maybe it was media managed, but I believe that they did like the charge up Kettle Hill, which is in the San Juan Heights uh, in Cuba. That was a real battle. Like they were actually being shot at. I mean, according to stories, like people that were there. Roosevelt like raced into battle like you know uphill you know like with with the not not the uh, best position bullets firing at them people next to him you know, were killed and died there was mortars going on so it wasn't um it wasn't a fake fight I don't know if they did much more than that specific thing but they they did see real combat and uh, were victorious in it they did however um when it was over because there wasn't a photographer around restaged the whole thing <laughs> um, so that they could have photographs of it, and that's really what that's really what rocketed him into um, celebrity, uh, and made him so popular. And I think it was after that. So maybe he had already been police commissioner. It was after that that like he started being courted to ha- have these jobs as like governor and shit like that. I think so, that's so when, that's when the teddy bear was invented. I think, or no, no, sorry, I'm getting I'm getting my teddy lore mixed up. After he 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 killed a bear somewhere, and then teddy bears became a thing. Like, so, I mean, so he becomes a vice president. Now he's undersecretary Navy. He goes vice pres- vice president, and then the the president's assassinated. Right, in, correct. In a yeah. shocking turn of events. Yeah, and, and and I think you mentioned it into the, into the open. An anarchist shoots him, which is like. Um, um, so I'm or, a little bit confused. Um, I think it was an anarchist that shot McKinley. The thing I was referring to in the opening was oh. was actually the time that Teddy Roosevelt was shot, uh, which was when he was running, rerunning for president again. So he had already been president once. Uh, I see. I'll, I'll recount this story quickly, and then I can go back to the McKinley thing. He was on a stumps, uh, what do you call it, a tour of yeah. stump speeches from the back of a train or whatever. Yeah, and McKinley he, um, was yeah. He had one of those hats on with the with the ribbon around it. Well, in both cases, hats. I think I think because because Teddy was about to give a speech. This is later. Uh, this is after Teddy was president, and he's running for president again. He's about to give a speech. A guy comes up to him. Um, this guy was insane. He thought that McKinley, who had previously died, as we mentioned, uh, like a decade before, had told him that he must go kill Teddy. He shoots Teddy. Uh, Teddy survives because the bullet had passed through. Um, 
the, it was the stopped speech, by his speech that was tucked yeah, into his pocket. I think there's one other thing there, but yeah, it was stopped. It was st- not stopped, but slow. Something metal, like a um, yeah, case. Did he something. joke about because he was so long winded and it was such a long speech or Maybe. something? Maybe. Um, I feel he, like yeah. he, it went and it went into like it entered his body, lodged in a rib. Um, and he did a quick assessment. He's a hunter, so he like you know can assess what you know injuries like this. Did a quick assessment of himself, and said, "I'm fine. I can I can make it through this fucking speech." Gave a 90 minute speech with a bullet in his body, like that had just entered his body. Um, with a speech that had been destroyed. Like maybe some of it was saved, but like the speech had been wrecked by the bullet. And this is a guy that was like had already been president you know like it wasn't like he was a, a, a young man or a, a soldier at the time and also a guy who had had health problems all his life and you know we're, yeah. we're talking about the sickly the sickly child yeah who, oh and when did he write about the man in the arena when is this when is this the man in the arena what is this? you know this speech is a famous oh, speech like, of his? it's an oft oft quoted speech about basically yeah. like life? it might have something to do with the strenuous it's yeah. like you want to be the person in the arena not the person off to the side saying like boo not good enough uh, you know, if I was then there, I would do this. You want to be the person failing and succeeding and like getting up in there. And I, I kind of think like that's good advice, not just for men, of course, for men and women. They're like the idea of being an active participant yeah. in the world. He, he and, preferred and, action, any action yeah. over like idleness. Uh, doing something was better than doing nothing. Do you agree? I, I, and, I, I, I tend to agree personally. Go ahead. Phoebe? No, I do agree. And I think uh, I think that's why people quote it so often because like anyone who wants to do any anything sort of thinks of the critic who Teddy says, the critic is not who counts. It's the man who points out how strong the man stumbles or where the doer of do blah, 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 blah. basically like yeah. the, the the guy who's getting his ass kicked in the ring is uh he's better off than the the critic sitting to the side it's funny because like, now we are acting as critics right that's now true. we're, we're acting, yeah we're, we're, we're judging him yeah. from our <laughs> we're literally yeah. doing that exact thing um, yeah. um <laughs> so, so it's tough but i that's well we're yeah, judging whether or not he was actually getting his ass kicked is that this is the other thing too yeah, of, yeah, because yeah, of his life of privilege you know a lot of his like sort of uh you know it's easy to write a book a day or read a book a day or whatever you did when like people are doing your laundry for you and and also where there's like you have someone writing it like you have someone taking notes every every word you say you know i could just spin out and just if i had like a stenographer or you know someone just like taking notes i would just say take a letter and then i would say a dictation you know and i would just dictate this you know i could do that i'm not sure that specific thing is the case with him Uh, and as phoebe alluded to he did also read about a book a day um, I don't mean to take anything away from the guy. Okay, so there's there's a couple of things that um, he's responsible for. I want yeah. to get into. Let's as get president. into the problematic stuff a little later. I want to just if that's what you're about to talk about. No, no, not problematic stuff. Okay, this go is on. like just kind of things that he's responsible for. One okay. that like really sticks out to me. That, well, there are two that really stick out to me. Um, and one of them, these is the national parks. Right. That right. we have a system of national parks, and we have in our state we have a state the system of national parks, which is kind of based on the, the national park system, right? As, as I understand it. And and then he's basically responsible for this, not exactly personally, but he's he's instrumental in the creation of these national parks, which I think it'd be hard to find somebody who would think, who thinks that these are a bad idea. The, the one that like never really worked for him that I think was a great idea was uh, the simplification of language. Basically that we need to have a regularized spelling. Like, I know how to read and write in Spanish and in Spanish, the same letter always makes the same sound every time it appears. So it's very simple. Like you spell it like the way it sounds. It's not that hard. But in English, there's so many irregular changes. Like my son is in school now trying to learn. My son named Teddy, by the way, um, mm-hmm. to understand that like, you know, cough is spelled with a G-H, but like stuff is spelled with two Fs. And it's just supposed to make sense. We're just supposed to accept that. And I like the idea of simplifying. I wish that that had gotten taken off. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, Would um, you do it? I'm pretty impartial on that, to be honest. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that that was a that was a thing. I knew about the national yeah. parks. He was a conservationist, you know, and he yeah. like ha- obviously had a, a an interest in natural history. Oh, he he wanted to simplify spelling so there were like no so like Triboro so like, Bridge would be spelled T R I B O R O, right? And like natural history would be spelled like N A C H. I don't know, yeah. like nacho, not I don't. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nacho <laughs> natural would be spelled the yeah. same. Wanted books to look like a, to look like uh, the lyrics of a Prince song. <laughs> yeah, basically, but it like it would have worked, and it, like, we sh- we should have regular like we should have that kind of spelling. We should simplify it. I'm glad that if if we had to choose between the two things, for example, of uh, that simplified spelling versus um, the national park system being created, which he planted the seed for. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm glad it was the the natural park system that um survived and conservation in general. But um, you alluded to that there's some negative stuff that he got up. To, yeah, which we'll get to after continuing listing his uh, yeah. notable things and accomplishments. Um. One thing is that he was the youngest president ever. Um, that's not, you know, a major accomplishment. Um, there's another cool anecdote about him being um, when he's in the Dakotas. I think this might have been during the time where he went to escape uh, the terrible trauma of his uh, wife and mom dying in the same day. But it goes back to some of the stuff we'd spoken about earlier um, and his cosplay, et cetera. There was a time he was uh, in the Dakotas, out in the Dakotas, living on his ranch. And um, he lived on a river and his boat was stolen by some guys. He, he figured out who it was, some like local. Uh, ruffians or whatever and he immediately um got his his ranch hands to build another boat um and they chased the guys in this boat they caught up to him and took these guys these boat thieves prisoner and then hiked them across like through the badlands like for multiple days uh to the nearest town and teddy had a book of anna karenina with him that he would use that to torment them he would just like read it aloud to them (laughs) Um, and but but like before they did this couple things about it they they stole a shitty boat and um maybe it wasn't a shitty boat it was the only boat around um and he had the resources to build another boat he built another boat to chase the boat you know so it's not like he was out of bo- a boat but he really yeah, wanted yeah. these guys to pay um and he also made sure to bring a photographer uh, not a photographer but a camera with him and, and they took photos of him like just standing guard over the guys with the um is with- there a photo of him reading Anna Karenina while they ride in agony or like <laughs> pain. Or maybe I, I like the idea of like then he, like when he leaves and he's only at like chapter four and they're like, well, what what happens? What happens to Anna next? Like, what's going to happen here? We, we that was now. that was the real punishment is they didn't get to to hear the yeah. end of the book they, when they got they to didn't... the the sheriff's. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he had like, like his he had like a mule and the there's a mule that had to carry that book. It's a heavy book, you know. The mule didn't. Was just... He was on boat, man. The mule didn't go in the boat. Oh yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking, man. <laughs> um, no, no, but he had a friend named Mule who uh, carried carried books <laughs> no, for him. I mule have a friend named Mule. Um, if you if you have to carry things, you might. Okay, so so Phoebe um, Phoebe had talked about the teddy bear thing. Um, oh He's yeah, like yeah. the the word teddy bear. That name comes from. By the way, he didn't like calling being called Teddy because he thought it was diminutive or whatever. But um, everybody calls him Teddy. But anyways, he was on a trip to like Georgia or somewhere like that, a hunting trip. Um, and he was known as a big game hunter. He was a conservationist, but he's also a big game hunter. Those things are tied together in some ways. Yeah, like it seems um, paradoxical now, but I guess it makes sense that like if you, if all you think about is hunting and yeah. you, you want to preserve the environment where you do your hunting. Also, scientists like at that time, especially like if you wanted to like study an animal, certain ones you just there's no way to, to study the animal except for to kill them to get like a specimen, you know? That's why they're always trying to dig up graves in the old days. Right. They, yeah, they yeah. sell them to the medical school when they hang the guy, they sell it to the medical school, but they have to get it under cover of night so the family don't find out. Right. So uh he goes to Georgia uh, on this trip, um this hunting trip. The reason he went was because Southerners were mad at him because he invited Booker T. Washington to the White House to have dinner, which is the first 
and, and his family, um, his first black family ever to be invited to the White House as a guest. There are many who were there not as guests, um, uh, as employees uh, or as people building it um, and as slaves as well, I think. But um, anyways, he did that. Southerners were up in arms. So he kind of went to the South to like keep them from being too pissed off at him. Went on this bear hunting trip that ended up being very staged. Um, like essentially they'd caught a, an adolescent bear tied it to a fucking tree. They'd already, they'd already like injured. It was already injured. Um, and they're like, okay, here's a bear, shoot it. Uh, and he refused to shoot it. Um, and you know, the press caught wind of it, uh, and it became a big story and everybody loved him. And they, the teddy bear was invented and people started selling those. Um, the bear did die. Like he just didn't the, shoot the, it. the bear bled out, but Teddy yeah, didn't he, shoot he, it. He's so. like, I'm not going to shoot this bear. Um, you guys, uh, uh kill it with a knife. Uh, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> That's what I forgot it was yes yeah, because he had quote unquote saved a bear not shot a bear but he had he did I think he had shot bears I, oh for sure oh yeah definitely in fact he shot from, a charging bear once um when I the version I heard as a kid is like he showed mercy to an animal there's a lot of like uh, myth making that goes around along around these people you know yeah. that goes around I think it, I mean the animal died I think it was probably a little bit more of a merciful death may I don't know. I did mean, he have a? Did he box a uh, uh, prize fighters while he was in the White House, or is that also a legend? I, I, know think, he, I know he boxed in college. He boxed at Harvard, and that was like that was where like his like biggest like physical transformation happened because he was still kind of like a skinny kid. But he was boxing fancy lads there too. too. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. like dan- dandy boxing. And yeah, yeah, his eye was damaged. Um, I think maybe in college when he was relatively young from boxing, and he switched to jujitsu. Um, and he had, when he was governor of New York, he had jujitsu mats installed in the governor's mansion at the cost of the, um, expense of the people in New York. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, um, I don't know. It's, I, I feel like you got it. It's like they, they let him put curtains up or they let him put a, a rug. Why yeah. not jujitsu mat? Was it a controversy? Were it the, was like, was, well, he had to, he got some pushback from like the auditor or whatever. And he's like, what know, was his defense? It it's like, oh, I it makes like me anything, physically strong. That's, that's mentally so, yeah. strong. That's a better yeah. governor. Which, which, he was, was he a friend sorry. to Boss Tweed? Was he a friend to Tammany no. Hall, or was uh, he a... No, he he was. He, he was, was... <laughs> good. No, that was he was like that. That was his big thing. Is um, I think his police co- commissioner, right? Mm-hmm. Jake. He, yeah. The, yeah, he basically like destroyed Tammany Hall. And got the, the way know, I, whole I, thing the way I understood it now. is and fought police corruption. Yeah, the, the way that I understand it is there's like a giant tiger and he wrestles the tiger into the ground and then when it sees him it turns into a little pussy cat. <laughs> yeah. that, I feel like that's the way I'm visualizing it. I don't... All of this historical information from political cartoons. <laughs> I just, I know this is like, I, I have a memory of that. But, I you just know. appreciate the set. There's like, was he friends with Boss Tweed? Were they yeah. in. <laughs> oh, some setups. I'm, I'm getting you guys some setups. I gotta so, say, I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain Boss Tweed was a, a generation or two. Well, no, maybe I'm wrong. I didn't even know Boss Tweed was a real person. I thought of him as like a, a, a figure. I thought he was just like a cartoon figure. Like, uh, like. <laughs> like and also, I get him confused with Boss Nass, who's a Star Wars character, who's like this... Or, or uh, Boss from, Hog. Yeah, yeah, or Boss Hog as I well. I was just yeah. getting it confused with Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York, which is the same concept, but earlier. <laughs> which I haven't I haven't seen Gangs of New York, and I feel oh, it's it's like weird. it's a big, you know, empty it, space in my New York historical... Uh, it seems overwrought in some ways. It's in Italy, so... Is that, it's a Scorsese movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you like, know Scorsese was supposed to do a, a, a biopic of, of TR, and, right, and Leonardo, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play yeah. Teddy, and it's just sort of like... good casting to you? I, I, yeah, I yeah. Think, in I retrospect, for be. sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. as he gets older, like he could still do it. He's just playing. I him think as the a... older he gets, the better he'll be for the the older years. But I don't know how they're yeah. going to make him like a young Teddy at oh, this point. They they have ways they can. They they, can that's they, true. Yeah, they, yeah. they could. I, I bet you they could. I mean, he still can be relatively young looking. I think. Um, 
Brad Pitt might be a better choice. Although I think Leo D would be great at it. Uh, it would maybe would have been better when he was younger, around the time that he did The Aviator. Um, Teddy oh, Stone. Was... They should do a collab, like the first, like they both play in different scenes. Oh like, yeah. Like Watch the Throne, that's but that a movie version. <laughs> no, you know, like, like why if, would if you... I was, I just imagine like that's expensive for like whoever's making that movie is going to have to cut two checks, and, and then it's like. Someone, someone gets to do the scene where he dies, and that's the like the scene where you, the, you know, where you're really shooting the lights out. So it's like, who gets the? Maybe they switch in between them every take. Well, he didn't, the, he didn't die like you know, said well, like dramatically he or heroically. He just kind of like oh. died in bed at home in Sagamore yeah. Hill. Maybe so. he had, maybe he had famous last words though. Mm. So let's think about this. What are his greatest um, achievements and what are his greatest shames? And we're not going to have to get through all the best achievements or all the best shames. Okay. Not to cut anything short, but we can't. The, everybody contains multitudes and he's a larger than life figure who contains more multitudes. And many contradictions and maybe more contradictions yeah. than most people. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I do want to cite one of his greatest achievements, which I talked about earlier, which also some people will say is a, uh, reflects negative uh, bad aspects of his foreign policy, which is the building of the Panama Canal, which... Um, was an idea that had been around for quite some time, but nobody was able to really make it happen. Um, now, he didn't actually dig it with a giant shovel like it was depicted in the political cartoon. No, he? he did not. But although he did take a visit there um, while during its construction, which is the first time a president left um, the country uh, while in office, uh, and he did get behind the the biggest shovel in the world, a, a big uh, steam shovel, and he did actually, what do you, what do you call it, drive the shovel, uh, manipulate oh, okay. it, control the shovel. Digs, he did some digging himself, at least a very small but amount. It, Got one bucket like, full. I mean, like <laughs> he, he looked in the window. It's like you edit this podcast, and sometimes I say, "Hey, is the podcast edited?" But that's not the same as me editing the podcast. Like, yeah. he didn't dig it himself, but he was instrumental. You're saying, and actually making sure it got done, and bribing the people in Panama so that they got independence from Colombia, so that they yeah, went, talking you know, them and like sending sending. Uh, I think it's, I think he sent U.S. Army or military down there. So pretty much back to this revolution um, where Panama got independence from Colombia which allowed them to uh, build the uh, canal. Um, I heard someone describe it as essentially like the canal was definitely an, an inevitability. It was going to happen eventually. Maybe not at that exact location, but Teddy um, came in and he was like Alexander the Great with the Gordian knot and just like made it happen, you know, um, yeah, yeah. way earlier than it might have uh, without that personality behind it. Uh, Although um, it, it can't, it, we should note that it can't accommodate like sideways sailing or whatever happened with that. That container ship that got stuck there. Oh last yeah, but oh, that was the Suez. Was that the Suez? Okay, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> but I mean, I think the Panama Canal is older than the Suez Canal, so it probably can't either. No, I it's think not. The, the Suez there's Canal. There's something called a Panmax um, boat, and you can't go bigger than that, and it's not yeah. that big. Like a standard boat, to have to go around now. The Panama was built after the Suez, and the Panamax is because the sizes of the locks of the Panama Canal have to be much smaller, I think, because of they're going at much greater distances, much higher elevations oh, than I see. the one of the, 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 one change of the in elevation. Swiss Canal is. Um, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to get into fucking canal talk, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Jake, you're you were too much of a gentleman to say it, but um, I know that you've actually gone through the canal. Oh yeah, and forgot to and, mention and, that. Yeah, and and, and so yeah, uh, I I know you don't want to mention it because you don't like to brag, but I, I've been somewhat obsessed with it. I mean, I think partially fueled by my interest in Teddy. Um, and yeah, uh, for my forty and you drank birthday, a pint of water on the Pacific side, and then you drank another pint of water on the Atlantic side. That's not true. I didn't I actually didn't go all the way through the Panama Canal. What we did is we took a, a bus to the to the center of it and then took um, a boat down from the lake that's in the middle down the locks back to the Pacific. So I and, haven't and you flushed the toilet on both whole... sides. Uh, yeah. 
I did all I did all that stuff. What you say? Um, uh, he was he was a big he was a big progressive in some ways, like what you would call progressive. He is a trespasser, reformer of industry. Um, he was in many ways like he fought more than any president before him for like the working man. The country is changing a lot of the time, so um, there was things like you know the fucking factory issues and meatpacking. Like he had a big big hand in um, reforming meat the meatpacking industry. Overall, he's generally pretty big at um, on busting trusts. Although he did um, he did approve a big U.S. steel merger, but he thought that was uh, for the benefit of the economy. He thought the, it was an emergency and the economy was about to tank. Phoebe, do you have in mind any of his best achievements or his greatest achievements? I think like honestly, like what what interests me about him is that like personal transformation that he went through Mm -hmm. like i think like that you know and i I think that's why he's like kind of like captivating as a figure is like like his achievement was himself like him like becoming teddy even though we know like yep that was like probably like easier for him to do like based on like the sort of comfy privileged life that he had but like he even taking that into account exactly but he like he chose that route he chose you know it would have been it would have been much easier for him to just kind of like enjoy this life of privilege and live on a trust fund or whatever you know but he did you know his and i think like his you know his family were also like super you know kind of like civic minded and they you know his he watched his dad like volunteered an orphanage every sunday night and things like that so i just think like they i don't know I think his his greatest achievement is sort of being that kind of like ideal like person in power who also cares about other people, which I feel like it's like a rare <laughs> character yeah, profile yeah. these days. And so I just, you know, that's sort of what I think is so interesting about him. And, and then having gone from like, you know, kind of like the sickly little kid to, you know, this, um, the, what did you like say a, he was depicted as in the, in the cartoon? The like, Colossus, uh, Colossus the continent? bulldozer. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, sometimes I'd like to turn into a giant bulldozer. I would think that would be cool to be basically a mech. But like a steam shovel mech that can they can dig out the Panama Canal or, or travel around, you know. I I, I like the idea of uh, um, a steam age uh, a mech, but that's you know my own ideas. So um, he like, um, like Jake, he was, I interrupted he was, he you. was like he was a sickly kid and and like and a slight man, not not a very tall person, like a, a, a small guy and sickly, and he became like an icon of masculinity that like stands today. You know, were ladies crazy about him? I'm not Did, sure. They say like. I'd like to meet a man like Mr. Roosevelt because of his masculinity and the way he's like taming that tiger or whatnot. I don't think he wasn't like a very like handsome man, mm-hmm. like objectively. But um, I also I think like on top of being a slight man, he also had like a really kind of high pitched, yeah, squeaky voice. Yeah. Um, See, I didn't know that because I never yeah. you don't hear. It's funny. It's pretty digital. So everything we know about is I think mediated audio recordings by writers. exist, but um, they're rare. He's He does kind of have this sort of chip on his shoulder the vibe of him like making up for something you know um in, mm-hmm. in the way he expresses yeah. his masculinity however he does impressive things like give a 90 minute speech after fucking being shot in the chest with a bullet still mm-hmm. in his body so he kind of puts his money where his mouth is a lot of right. times that's a, yeah that's okay i'll say like he kind of like he he grew into that image that he sort of like had set up for himself yeah. earlier yeah. on yeah you, yeah you you fake it till you make it uh, yeah exactly <laughs> it's the embodiment of that um Achievement-wise, also the Museum of Natural History in New York, which yep. is, like, filled oh, with um, really cool dinosaur skeletons that I get to show my son now that he's obsessed with dinosaurs. And it's just – and they have parking there. You can, like, just park right in the museum, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was what he said. Um, he said he, we need uh, cars to be able to park here. That's it. <laughs> which... we, my friend Devin had, a had like, a – he was camping and he had a knife which because he was, he was doing a survival 
uh, training or something. And we went to there and he couldn't bring his knife in. So he stowed the knife in the um, Teddy would not the trash can. That. Yeah, yeah, I know. He would have been like, yeah. It was he would have like been some, like, bring was, your knife. Yeah. yeah, bring your knife and then skin the thing. Then. He, t- he took and, the knife and put it in this Teddy statue's hand so people just thought it was part of the statue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That statue is pretty problematic. I think yeah. that they, it's with him and he's like leading... Uh, leading the poor and brown people to, uh, to from mainly to, mainly the black and, and and Native American people who are like yeah. um, they're looking up at him in wonder yeah. and astonishment. It should and... be noted he wouldn't approve of that statue, um, and he wouldn't approve of himself on Mount Rushmore. He um, was not a fan of like statuary monuments, um, oh. and he generally wanted any monuments for himself. Uh, you know, he he knew as any president would that he, there would be monuments to him, and he was like he wanted those to be utilitarian, just like naming places after him and whatnot. And uh-huh. he didn't like uh like those statues. He wouldn't like that statue. I didn't know that. I always thought he went for that cult of personality stuff. No, I mean it. he did to a degree. Like he was he was like the consummate and the first president to really have a really good sense of like public persona and sort of um publicity in general in in the modern sense you know um yeah yeah another accomplishment of his is that he's the first american to win a nobel prize of any kind he won a nobel peace prize for brokering the um end of the russo japanese war oh i've seen there's a picture of that at the museum of natural history of him making a, a russian and a um and a japanese guy shake hands or they're shaking hands and he's above he's them. forcing their hands together yeah. well, he's like he's got their arms and he's smiling and i'm like oh i know what that's up and um, like I like that museum a lot because my sister and I, we used to go there. My dad would take us and we'd get a ice cream afterwards. But when we were there, we'd look at the life cycle of the tapeworm, which there's, it used to be a display. That, so it's really gross. But my dad's got a background in preventive medicine. That's like his thing, you know? It's like, and this is why you always have to cook meat all the way through, Phil. And this is why you got to have clean drinking water. <laughs> like always, like, like we'd see the, I want to see the dinosaurs. We're like, let's go, come on. <laughs> but um, now I feel like it's fair that now we can address... What are like the biggest shames of his life? Now, I don't know these, but the two of you do. A couple more things, just on the pro side before we get to the cons. Uh, this is actually a little bit of both. He he reshaped the American presidency um, with his use of executive actions. Um, and some may say that's bad. Some may say that's good. But he used, he used those to like bypass Congress to get all this conservation stuff done, to establish national monuments and stuff like that. But, but if he you're also okay used it to that, go to then, war, which yeah, fucking yeah. sucks. And, and war in the Philippines. You're yeah. Talking about. And, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he also used it to like entrust busting stuff in progressive. Uh, and to be, to be fair, like the war in the Philippines, like I'm, we, we haven't really got into yeah. it too much, but it's like a horribly destructive and deadly war. Oh, yeah. It was almost yeah. like a war of extermination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, well, I mean, yeah. And, I another wanna, thing is I, we wouldn't have FDR without Teddy Roosevelt. Um, and FDR, in my opinion, is probably actually the greatest president. Um, and I think that that is uh, relevant. Um, so, yeah, you want to talk about the Filipino war? Yeah, I guess I just I, it just seems like that's an that's an example where like. He, he, it's almost been like written out of our history, but yeah, it's like this yeah. super bloody period of our history. Yep. And also like the beginning of us kind of uh, uh, trying to take control of, of the Pacific and of Asia yep. and like of, of dominating that sphere. And it's like, it just seems like it's even for like colonial wars that America has gotten involved with. It's particularly brutal, particularly ugly. And like starting it is particularly like morally uh, uh, problematic. And it seems like it's going to have to knock this guy down on our list. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I'm not saying he's worse than Jenny McCarthy, but like, <laughs> it's like, it puts him like, I don't know, when you when you tally up the good and the bad, it's good to remake yourself as as an Adonis. Uh, sure. But it's like, <laughs> it's also bad to like, to, to like be personally responsible through executive action for like a lot of death. Right. So yeah. we're going to have to take that into account. Yeah. I, bearing in mind that like the New Deal was great. And maybe we wouldn't have had that if it, you know, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. That war is like the equivalent of uh, Afghanistan or Vietnam. It's an ongoing occupation after the Spanish-American mm-hmm. War, um, which he wasn't responsible for the Spanish-American War, although he did like 
uh, really helped. Love it. Yeah, he did love yeah. it and really did help, like, <laughs> in, in, in the eyes of the public, did really help push it. But um, it's a kind of situation with the Philippines where it wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't, we weren't winning anything with the war. And he actually declared the war over during his presidency, but the war continued on. Like, it was just like a, a fake thing. He said, it's done. And the war continued on for maybe a decade. Um, 4,200 American troops were killed. 20,000 Filipino troops were killed. 200,000 Filipino civilians thought to have died from disease and famine and like our military actions there. That's a lot of fucking people. Mm. Um, yeah. And like, so that was like, it was like, and I, I'm like asking because I really don't know much about, like, it was like Afghanistan, it sounds like, like on the same totally, level. Totally, yeah. Totally. And, and, and in the stated motivations at the time, it's like nowadays, I think, okay, like the way that they would justify it. If you read those justifications, they're like they're pretty ugly. If you read them now, yeah, oh yeah, 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 it'll be like the brown man will be enlightened by our presence, or right. you know, like it's maybe like in practice, how different is that from invading Iraq or Afghanistan for these certain ideas? But it's like the the way that the words look now are look particularly ugly, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he thought that like the Filipinos, like he had this weird fucking concept of a lot of people did at the time where he sort of conflated race and nationality. Um, and he thought that those particular people like weren't developed enough um, to have like democracy <laughs> to, to participate yeah, yeah. in democracy, essentially the same, the way that like white American English speakers were. Um, and it's not like, like I said, like many people thought that, but not everybody did. It's not like it's, he's strictly a man of his time. Like Mark Twain, for example, was a real big critic of a lot of things Roosevelt did. He didn't like really Roosevelt at yeah. all. Um, and, mm. and did not like the um, U.S. involvement in the Philippines. And a lot of people spoke out against it. And it's something that went on way too long. And it's really one of the worst things that we've done as a country. Um, to the point where we don't really talk about things, it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not something that gets brought up. You know, right. it's yeah. like we don't learn about it in school growing up. And so uh, other shames of him. Um, uh, so he was generally a racist, I would say. Like, yeah. It's, it's, was uh, he more it's racist strange. than the average guy? Um, was not he as really. racist as Woodrow Wilson? No, no. Yeah, no, that's, no. A, that's, that's a tough thing about like judging this, too. It's like, was he a product of his time and environment? Or was he like extra super racist (laughs) like no he wasn't like and and he wasn't the type of racist that like southerners like his mom was from the south Mm -hmm. and and he like did not he was not into slavery um he was not into like you know like hatred towards other races i think although he did say some like some bad things about especially filipinos uh native americans uh sure he was a white supremacist he was a white supremacist definitely like i mean the sense that like he made excuses for himself it was all like scientific or pseudoscientific which a lot of people thought that way at the time but not everybody that's the key factor is like i don't think you can say that he was strictly a man of his time i don't think you can use that as an excuse because there are lots of people at the time including Mm -hmm. mark twain um, yeah. who were did not think that way but to go over like what he thought from what i can gather is it's sort of like he had this sense of um it's kind of sort of a contest of civilizations mindset where he thought that like races and nationalities evolved through specific stages of development. Like there's like five or six of them starting with chaotic savages, essentially, and ending with like decadence and decline. And like the key one he thought was like sort of in the middle, like warlike when a civilization was most vital. And again, when I say civilization and race and nationality, those are kind of all the same thing in many ways to him. Uh, like you would almost think of English speaking as a race, but um, like that's why he was into war and into imperialism and into expansion um, and it didn't why, change his mind when his son died? Maybe he had some regrets, but no, I, I don't think right. so. Um, he thought that, like, Japan, like, he was racist against Filipinos, but the Japanese people, he thought, were, like, because they were warlike and expanding, he thought that they were cool, you know? Um, but he would put them higher in, in his hierarchy than many, but not all European countries. Um, right. You know, he thought that the, the peak of this, like many people did, the peak of this hierarchy was white, uh, English-speaking Americans, essentially. Uh, and right. he thought that um, that it was America's job to, like, export this to other countries. Uh, and to everybody, um, he kind of there's a weird concept where he 
a lot of people thought this at the time. Um, I think it's the Lamarckian um, idea where like... Oh, it's like where the giraffe stretches its neck and then the giraffe's child will be born with a longer neck? Kind of, yeah. Essentially yeah. like that. Like um, it's a type of evolution that's different than Darwinism, but, you know, they're tied together. Uh, and so he kind of thought that people could rebuild themselves within a generation, could change, like, not only physically, but, but culturally, and those were tied in many ways. Um, so it's not like he thought that equality was impossible. He just thought that, like, uh, it, it could happen, like, generation by generation, and that, like, there's certain, quote-unquote, races or nationalities or whatever that, like, had a lot of catching up to do. Okay. Um, he definitely was, I mean, it's really easy to call him a white supremacist. He essentially was, although he didn't think that, like, there was necessarily something absolutely intrinsic about the race that like excluded all other races he just thought where they were at the time they were higher okay, up in okay. this hierarchy now uh, are you ready to rank him i feel bad in not like stating we went so far into stating things that he's that he did that were good i'd like to go over a list i think of some like philippines is like is enough to kind of like cancel those things out yeah i mean you know like it's yeah. almost yeah i think we should note that he like was not Always great to African Americans. This is one thing he did on the good side. There's a black woman who was appointed postmaster in Mississippi. Uh, people tried to force her out, and he stood up for her and said, "Like you can't, you know." But then, and he would publicly like denounce lynching, but he would then did nothing on the federal level to really stop it. Mm. Um, Native, Native he, Americans, he, like yeah. that's what he's been getting criticized a lot for lately. Uh, like he believed in manifest destiny. He thought it was the American destiny to like overtake the continent, and thought that like. Natives should be absorbed into the white American culture. Oh, like their language and culture taken from them. Yeah, put so in, he kids put into the schools. He supported that kind of thing. breaking up reservations, allotment, like breaking up the big reservations and the little ones. He supported Indian schools, which have terrible history of abuse. Uh, apparently, later um, he took a trip to the Four Corners and hung out with Hopi people, and eventually he learned more about their culture, and that made him decide that like some aspects of native native culture should be preserved. So, in conclusion. Um, <laughs> so he's he's really a, like he's, he's, he's like, a man of contrast. Yeah, he yeah. But he's when it comes down to it, he's like an avatar of white supremacy and also of white privilege. Like he has mm-hmm. he's got the luxury of viewing the world from like a, a perspective where he can see people that are like him being at the top of it. He kind of flirts with the ideas of equality, but doesn't really get too far into it. Yeah, because it, it's not challenging to him. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready to rank this guy. I'm ready okay. to put him on the list. And assign him a numerical value relative to these other okay. items on the list. Are you, Phoebe? It'd be so much easier if you guys had like already ranked like Bill Cosby or something, like <laughs> someone who like did amazing things, but well, then also turned out to be a okay, monster. So, so, um, yeah. so here's something that maybe not from your perspective, for, but from our perspective, an individual who a couple of them. So if you look towards the bottom of the list, which I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be happy with him being at the bottom of the list or even towards the bottom of the list necessarily. We'll see how mm-hmm. I feel and yeah. how my guilt plays into it. But so we've got Hank Williams Jr. Number 187. There's many. Oh, Hank fa- Williams Jr. has a couple songs that we like. Yeah, there's many songs that yeah. we like. There's some of his songs that, like, I think can, can contend for being the maybe the best country song there is, or one of them, you know? I mean, that's a big claim, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Whiskey Benton Hellbound, man? On the other hand, he's a bad person, but he's not responsible for any deaths. Maybe the guys that he went on the mountain climb with who he fell when he fell yeah. off the mountain. But, like, he, I mean, um, he well, like, can, his like, hands are clean in that, in that sense. Yeah. Well, there are probably people above him on the list who have, like, who maybe killed someone we don't know about. Jenny McCarthy, you know, like, 185, is, you could probably, not directly, oh, like, but indirectly link her to, like, some deaths. Oh, because okay. of the of, anti-vax stuff? Yes. She's and, at 185, but she does have some good qualities. Um, well, think about, but I like, like them a okay. lot more. Like, similar to Teddy Roosevelt, I appreciated her qualities. Sorry, Phil. I appreciated her qualities mm-hmm. a lot more when I was 20 than I <laughs> do now. Okay, so think yeah, about like just some... 10 years ago, I appreciated Teddy's qualities more. And like now yeah, I'm sort of totally. at a loss. I'm like, oh, he, yeah, I don't know. Totally. He, well, think he about got out like Hank, <laughs> like, like Hank Williams Sr., who is at number 10 on our list. Okay, right? there we go. He's That's... like a giant of his field. Um, right. 
but like personally has a lot of flaws. I, I don't know if he's super racist or anything like that. I, I can only assume judging yeah. by where he's from and and when he's from and whatnot. Yeah, but I, I just and you know, what but his kids like, but also he does. He's not responsible for a war where a quarter million people died, right? No. So, Nor is he responsible for national parks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and like certain like progressive policies in terms of labor and whatnot. Right. Yeah. So I okay, feel like then, national parks are really saving Teddy right now because those are like unassailable. Yeah. Like no one's like, I fucking hate them except for yeah. Well, the, the FDA is also like, it's pretty good. Like yeah. I yeah. like eating untainted food. I, I mean, that's my favorite <laughs> yeah. kind of food if I had to make a choice. Yeah. Um, and I, so let's look further down the list. Like, okay, think about someone like Shakira, who's number 40 on our list. Okay. Shakira didn't break up these uh, reservations and force anybody off their land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although Shakira also didn't, uh, was instrumental in creating the framework for having national parks. But she has the most honest hips in the game. And I know yeah, that that's probably yeah. all anybody says. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> um, um, I, I, so Shakira's pretty, um, she doesn't have much bad. Yeah, there's not she doesn't have baggage. as many great things. Here's somebody who I think is pretty comparable in many ways to, in terms of like how much I like them, but also how guilty I feel about liking them sometimes is Ice Cube at number 121 got mm. songs and he's produced a lot of stuff that I really like. There's many, many ways in which I look up to him, but he's also produced some pretty vile songs. Yeah, vile songs that you have to mutter under your breath when you're singing along to them. There's some pretty hateful stuff and yeah. some pretty and, and, and he's never And he's never taken it back. He's never, um, he's actually been given opportunities to like, say like, I don't think this, I don't stand by these songs anymore. You know, that was a younger time or whatever, but uh, he doesn't do that. So the, the sense of conflict that I get is similar. The amount that I like, enjoy knowing about Teddy Roosevelt and listening yeah. to these stories about him um, well, is can, greater you, than, than for Ice Cube. Well, you can know about somebody and appreciate, le- enjoy learning about somebody yeah. and you don't want them to uh, want yeah. them to be canonized, There's a right? degree that we're introdu- uh, 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 judging him as just a subject to study, you know, so as a historical figure. What about you? Where on the list, does any, does any name stick out to you on the list as a point of comparison? It's really difficult because I don't think we've ranked too much. Too you know what I think is making statue. it, what's making it difficult for me is that I feel like there's like, there's Teddy, the like mythical figure. There's mm-hmm. Teddy, the political figure. There are multiple Roosevelt's out there. Yeah. Right, like, but did did we um? Because you know we have not, like national debt as an idea. Like, what is what is Teddy Roosevelt? Is he like like the politician? The I think the story. When I'm, looking at, when I'm looking at these names, I see Barry Bonds, right? Who is like okay greatest slugger in baseball history, but he has like he's conflicted in some ways because of his steroid use and things like that. Yeah. Now I understand whether you're cheating at baseball or whether you're hitting a home run really well. That's in absolute terms, it's a much less important than anything Teddy Roosevelt did, right? But he's symbolic in some ways. I, I don't know. It just seems like he's similarly conflicted, right? Although yeah. there's similar highs and lows. It's just that the size of them is much smaller, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's similar with Ice Cube. It's weighed pretty so evenly. Like, oh, you know, I got one. Go ahead. Number 162, Steve Jobs. Now, when we were looking at Barry Bonds at 150, I was like, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like I wanted to put Teddy above him. But go ahead. Sorry, I'll let you continue. Well, it's different because that's like Bill Cosby, where his personal and private life are the problem. But also, he created this business that is yeah. a kind of a problem. You know, they're not paying taxes. But on the other hand, uh, you and Phoebe and I both were probably all using some kind of Apple product throughout the yeah. day. That maybe Steve Jobs is, is is a figure that's like similar to him. That's in inter- yeah, because it's sort of like the greatness um, of Steve Jobs is also kind of like the railroad of like bad things that like have sort of been built on top of that, right? Yeah, and yeah. It's not like the most elegant metaphor I've ever come up with, but yeah, like that makes sense though. But um, the idea that like you know like what he's 
produced has like given way to like the Mark Zuckerbergs and the um you know I don't know but I guess we're not talking about Steve Jobs but, but I mean I feel like, yeah. like that that balance and, and like, also for for Phoebe it's it's also like because Jake and I have made this list so far so if you I know that a lot of times guests come in they're like wait a minute how can this be higher than this what the hell you know but thanks for yeah, I'm still I'm still mad here. about coffee being so far down the list it, I just it, feel maybe like maybe there'll be like, opportunity to work that out not to, not not now but <laughs> some, someday in the future but here's the thing I I take your point about Steve Jobs and I think you're right but that's if you're forgetting the character of Teddy Roosevelt, like him being interesting and yeah. sort of enthralling as a character. Like think about Robin Williams playing him in Night at the Museum. Like if, if you watch a movie about Steve Jobs, nobody's going to give a performance that like the material's not there to like make him that fun you, and interesting. You didn't see that Ashton Kutcher movie? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see Ashton it either, Kutcher. But... I didn't see it either. Yeah, I also did. haven't yeah, seen exactly. Night at the that's, Museum. That's, like, but proves my point. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so I would like, I would, I like Leonardo DiCaprio would, would not be playing Steve Jobs in a yeah. Martin Scorsese yeah. directed film. So, yeah. So that Maybe makes me want to move he... him up towards like Barry Bonds again, who also has okay. he's a character and like uh, is yeah. charismatic in a way and is balanced in a similar way. I, I would, I think that. Huh? What about the game Monopoly? Well, I would put him above Monopolies too because he hates Monopolies and he busts oh, them up. Point. Okay. I think he should be below um, 139 Tommy Bahama shirts because. Hmm. Those don't hurt anybody. Well, except They're probably for... made in sweatshops. That's true, and they, and they were adopted by white supremacists. They would be made in sweatshops here in America if it wasn't for Teddy Roosevelt's labor reforms. <laughs> yeah, that's a good right? point. Yeah. What if, what do you guys feel about like somewhere right around there? Like, it's really hard for me to like pin it down exactly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I I want to sort of put Tommy Bahamashir's one thirty thirty nine as my um, floor. That's your. Or ceiling. Okay, well then let's put him below Grocery Outlet Bargain Market. Now, Phoebe, you live in New York, so you don't know this, but the Grocery yeah. Outlet Bargain Market is a, it's like a, where you can buy um, test products that didn't quite work out. So you can buy like a kind of flavor of ice cream that never really caught on, or but they tested it out and it's the unsold inventory. It's Grocery <laughs> Outlet Bargain Market. That sounds store. amazing. Oh, yeah. But it's also kind of, it's it's also kind of gross. Like you roll the dice with it sometimes. I'm sorry, Phil, right. when I said floor, I might have meant ceiling. I always do that. Well, you know what I say, Jake? The ceiling is the floor. Your ceiling is someone else's floor here in the big city. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So maybe I was thinking below Tommy Bahama shirts. How about we put it above Monopoly so he can be above the trusts? He'll be the new 149. I think that's fair. That sounds right. I was with you on the like ice cube area, but I think that's fair to sort of put him... Right above Barry Bonds because I don't know much about Barry Bonds at all, so well, we I'm just going to trust, Mon- trust you guys on that one. We want to put him above the game of Monopoly, which is also which is also anti- above Barry Bonds, though, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's a good good place. Okay. Um, Phew, that was exhausting yeah. because I, I learned a lot. I felt like I grew a lot. Um, yeah. And uh, I feel like what's the third thing? Mm-hmm. New. I grew. It has to rhyme. We've been through a lot. As well. Yeah, we've been this was this I, was quite a journey. Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, Teddy Roosevelt, the person, goes in at one forty nine, moving the game Monopoly to one fifty. Phoebe, thanks a lot for helping us get through this. Thank yeah. you. This we've was been... a good refresher. Yeah. Next time we have you on, Phoebe, it'll be something where like I'm not um, just reading a list of facts to you that you already know. No, I. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like Teddy doesn't inspire a lot of banter. It's a lot of like absorbing and then. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Thanks for listening to Every Damn Thing. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so go to everydamnthing.net for the updated list and show notes. If you have something you'd like to submit to the list of everything or anything else you want to say to us, uh, email us at listedeverydamnthing.net. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can suggest topics there as well. Subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen. Our theme is by Jay Puget. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, rate and review it. Send us a screenshot of a good review, and we'll bump your submission. Uh, 
to the front of the queue, any submission you want us to. Uh, also, just tell friends about it. Um, Phoebe, is there anything you want to um, shout out or plug or anything like that? I have a Substack. Oh, maybe. Sweet. Oh, subscribe to that Substack. Yeah, you can say it out now. Uh, we'll also put a link in the show notes. But okay, good. Because I don't remember my yeah, Substack. Yeah. I think it's just like Substack.com uh, slash my name. What is it about? What what what's the subject matter? Well, I don't get to update it very often. So so that's one good thing. If you sign up, you won't like get barraged with with emails. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a criminal justice thing that I'm working on that like right. I need people to know about, and um and then also just my my random uh writing like essays and and things like that. Maybe even some stuff on Teddy. Smash that like and subscribe. Smash that like. This is a, a exciting our first Substack plug. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and you'll hear us next time. Oh, Wait. before I go, I want to. I should yeah, say, thanks for the memories.